Voice of the Year 2014. Yes, I have prepared a message for us all. And so I'm going to go ahead and get into it. I've had a message that's been on my heart for about a month or so. And um, so a quick question for all of you, and there's a lot of people, so maybe you will actually raise your hand. But is there anyone in here who's actually been in a movie, been in a movie, or any extras or in the entertainment? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, there's a lot of you. This is exciting. I'm actually going to ask for your autograph right after this service. I've never been in a movie, but I was just really just curious. <laughs> we can get to know each other a little bit more. But, um, but no, what I, <laughs> I bring that up because what I do know about movies is that there is a movie director, right? And this movie director, in order to make his movie, has different scenes that he takes the actors to in order to complete his movie. And one scene has multiple takes that they have to take over and over and over and over again until the director says, great, that's a wrap. You can move on into the next scene of your life. You can graduate into the next scene. And so what this message is, it's a message where maybe we have cycles in our lives that keep coming up or takes that we have to retake over and over and over and over and over again in order for us to advance and say, that's a wrap to, to uh, go into the next scene that God has for us. So, yes, the title of my message is, That's a Wrap. That's a Wrap. Ooh, good job, Coco. It looks good. Um, so that's a wrap. So point number one, um, and these are all things that I've gone through in my own life that I've had to say that's a wrap to. So my point number one is that's a wrap to the comparison game. That's a wrap to the comparison game. Um, I grew up with a family who, um, who is actually very athletic. I have, they're all very active, super athletic. All of my, my brother and my sisters, they all have records in all the schools that they went to. And then there's me. <laughs> Even though I am athletic, I'm kind of the black sheep of the family because I only chose like a couple sports to play in high school. And they were the sports that I knew I'd be good at. So for them, they were great at like literally everything. But um, I chose a couple. And actually, just to prove to you how good my family is in athletics or in sports, is my sister, she qualified tri twice in the Olympic trials. And she's still pressing on to win the prize of the Olympics. So this is where my upbringing, this is where I come from. So if you think I have an athletic body, that's where I get to from. But I do need to start working out. <laughs> Settle down. Um, but anyway, like I said, so when I was in high school, I played tennis. Tennis was one of my, my, my sports. Um, so when I played tennis, it was, I remember when I was going in my senior year, I was one of the top tennis players in my little tennis crew. And um, so I was talking to one of the other best tennis players, and we were talking together saying, oh, you know, we can go into our senior year playing singles tennis, and we'd probably do all right. Or we can go into it um, partnering up and being doubles, uh, being a doubles team. And let's try to make senior year where we're just undefeated and it'll be the best year ever, right? And so we both agreed to it. And we actually were. We were undefeated our senior year, which is awesome in doubles. And we became VOL All League. Um, I do have a backhand that is pretty fabulous. 
yeah, when I crush it, the ball just slices right over the net, and it's just perfect. And I'm very strategic. However, I'm not going to mention all of um, my strategies because I have some people in here who play tennis that I'm going to compete against, and I'm going to beat them, a.k.a. Colin Higginbottom and Michael Coe. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Yes. So tennis. And so I remember one day that there was actually, there was a tennis game that we were at and there was a bunch of schools all around and we were um, there to actually compete against them. And so I was there on the tennis court, rallying back and forth with my tennis partner in my own little tennis world. And then I look next to me and I see Miss Perfect tennis player, practically perfect in every single way. I see her, she has the best tennis skirt on, her outfit is just impeccable, and not only that, but she did that little, you know like the tennis grunt where you're like, ugh, ugh. I didn't do that, but she did. And uh, just her, her sirs were miraculous. Every time she hit the ball, it would kind of do this curve thing, and I wish I could do stuff like that. And so there are a lot of things that she did that I wish I can do. And so because I was, she was right next to me, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take advantage of this, and I'm going to watch how she plays, and I'm going to try to copy every single move that she does. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. I was out there, and this is a true story. I'm out there watching her, and I'm hitting the ball just like she hits the ball, going back and forth just how she, she does it. And my tennis part, you know, she's hitting the ball back and forth. And I'm in my zone, like, you know, Pastor John's drop zone, comparing myself to this girl. And <laughs> but his is a different drop zone. It's godly. <laughs> um, so anyway, all of a sudden, I hear my tennis partner across the, across the court yelling at me, Loren, what are you doing? You look ridiculous. Get your head in the game every single time I hit you a ball. You're hitting it straight into the net. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, my gosh, how embarrassing. And I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh, getting out of my zone. Oh, you're right. All the balls are just right there in front of my court. Um, so anyway, that was a time where I was dabbling and playing the comparison game, right? And so when I was playing the comparison game, what I found out is the game leads to failure and insecurity. Every time you play it, that's what it leads to. And one of the greatest experts that I feel like in the Bible who played the comparison game is King Saul. King Saul was the greatest comparison game person who probably ever lived. If he was here today, he'd probably have this uh, Instagram, and he'd take selfies on it every single day. And he'd compare if his selfie was better than your selfie if he got more likes than you. Or maybe if his girlfriend or his wife was better than your wife. Or maybe he'd say, oh, what I'm doing is way better than what you're doing. And so King Saul was the greatest expert at the comparison game. Would you agree with me? Um, however, like I said, it leads to failure and it leads to insecurity. So when King Saul was out there playing the, the, playing the comparison game, um, he, what he did is he compared himself to David. And so he lifted up the praises of men and he compared what did the praises of men say about David compared to what did they say about him. And so what it led to is him losing his entire, losing everything, losing his life, but also he lived a life trying to kill the person that he was comparing himself to. He had the most, he coveted the most, he had the most jealousy and envy of David. And so, but it all leads to disaster. And what the comparison game means to me is that it actually lies to you and says, if you play this game, this is where you're going to find your identity. 
But actually, your identity is not found in what other people say about you. It's about what God says about you. Amen? So what does the Bible say? If we turn to Matthew 10, 39, it says this, Whoever finds their life will, will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God will give you your identity. He is your creator, and he will tell you why you were created. So the best person to get connected to is Jesus Christ himself. He's able to tell you your identity and give you a purpose and a destiny in your life. If you compare King Saul with David, you'll see um, a couple things that David was actually a great worshiper. And, um, you know, you remember him playing the harp as he's a boy. And so he was a great worshiper. And I really believe that because he was a great worshiper, he had such great confidence and security in himself because he knew that God was with him. And God is the king and of all armies that he was able to bring him victory in, in, in areas where he needed victory in. And uh, so with Saul, though, he was worshiping the praises of men. And so what you worship is actually what connects you to what is your source to your identity. So be careful what you worship. Um, just a, a practical thing as well. Practical application is always good, right? Um, so how do we find our identity when we are here? And the greatest way to find your identity is actually to get yourself planted into church. You plant yourself here, and you, you start, and I'm going to say the S word, and I know this is going to probably offend some people, but you need to start serving. Yes. So you get planted by serving in the house, and once you start serving and you get on a team, you, start, you surround yourself with great people, and then all of a sudden, you're going to see these leaders that come into your life, and you're going to be able to uh, seek wisdom from them and open your life up, and are you able to be teachable? So if you're surrounded by these great people and great leaders, are you able to open yourself up and be a little transparent and teachable and give your time to them where you can actually listen to what they're going to say to you? This church is, is built and has so many incredible, incredible, incredible leaders. And these leaders aren't here to put you down. The leaders aren't here to try to give themselves more glory to say that they're higher than you are, not at all. These leaders are here to actually draw the gold out of you. So if you might have maybe a past hurt in, some, in a church that really hurt you with their pastor, with their leaders, not here. These leaders have the best care for you and they have your best interest for you. So this is a safe place to get yourself planted in and to start serving in and just to open yourself up to the goodness of God. Um, actually, Pastor Jurgen today was just talking about, uh, about seed, right, in the, our offering message. And um, I kind of picture ourselves all as seeds. I'm a seed. <laughs> and what, is, what a seed is, is a seed will, will stay dormant if it's not planted in good soil. And so what we need to do is we need to, um, what does the Bible say? It says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So you need to actually plant your seed into good soil, meaning this, uh, this church. And, um, and actually, when you get yourself planted and the soil covers you up, you kind of seem like non-existent. Like, where, where did the seed go? 
Um, you don't see it really. But then over time, because of the watering and because of the soil that you're surrounded by and the great leaders that are in your life and the great people that are in your life, out of you is going to start springing up life. And so you're not going to be a seed anymore. You're going to spring forth good fruit and good life. And that's what God has for you. So let's say that's a wrap to the comparison game. Amen? All right. All right. And then point number two, that's a wrap. Negative Nancy. (laughs) I must confess I have a negative Nancy. And uh, this negative Nancy, she rises up whenever I get in the passenger seat of the car that Matt is driving for some reason. (laughs) It happens. And this negative Nancy, it, it arises, and, and she, she wants to take all control. She just can't help it. And I'm in the car, and he's either driving way too fast or too slow, or he's not using his blinker, or he's not parking in the right parking spot, or he parked, you know, off to the side, and I'm just like, it's just bad. Negative Nancy, she rises up inside of me. But I've had to say that's a wrap to her. <laughs> Because it just leads to really bad arguments is really what it does. But, but negative Nancy is all about, she, um, <laughs> negative Nancy has trust issues and control issues. This is your negative Nancy. And if negative Nancy isn't in control of something, um, you know, she thinks that the whole world will fall apart. But last time I checked is that Jesus Christ is actually the overcomer of all things. He's the overcomer of the world, not negative Nancy. And so who are you going to turn to? Are you going to turn to Jesus, who is able to, uh, he's able to speak things and see things at a different level than negative Nancy can see things or speak things at? Um, I remember the disciples that they were on the boat with Jesus and there was a crazy storm that arose. And so there might be some, some big storms in your life that try to, to, you know, shake you up and you think that you've lost all control. But Jesus was actually in the boat with the storm in a place of peace. He was actually sleeping. And so when the disciples tried to wake him up, they were thinking that Jesus is going to submit to this storm and submit to this chaos that was around them. But God was actually able to bring calmness and, and peace to the storm. Why? Because he sits in a place of peace. And God is a God of order and not disorder. He has, he's proven himself faithful time and time again. He doesn't know unfaithfulness. He is a faithful God. And so the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not your own understanding, negative Nancy, and he will make your path straight. Um, if we look again, I'm going to pick on Saul again because he's kind of fun to pick on. But um, David and Saul... I'm going to turn to 1 Samuel 17, 31 through, 30, through 37. It says this, and this is right before David was um, about to fight Goliath. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been fighting man from his youth. Oh, there's a negative Nancy in our midst. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off his sheep from 
from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. Uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. I love our worshiper, David. I really, see, David and Saul, they were both in the same situation, in the same circumstance, but one saw differently than the other person. And David was actually able to see what God was seeing and what God was speaking, and that's where he was able to speak from, from that place, as opposed to Saul, where he just saw these, these facts that were around him and this negative thinking. And so what it shows me is that there are earthly facts but God's truth actually trumps those earthly facts. See, earthly facts might sound like this, that you have a, do- a negative doctor's report, that there might be a family member on drugs that's never going to come back to Jesus, that there is marriage on a brink of divorce, and money might not be in the bank. Those are all things that negative Nancy is going to, is going to sit on and address, and there's a cap over negative Nancy because she can't see what God actually sees. She can't see, speak God's truth. But what, good, what does God's truth say, say? It says, by his stripes, we are healed. God goes after the prodigal sons. God's a redeemer. He wants the best for you. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. God will turn all things into good for his glory. Amen. So there is a higher reality versus your own reality. And we can prove that in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So there's actually a higher road, and then there's your road. So are you going to choose to take the higher road, or are you going to stay on negative Nancy's road that isn't going to really lead you anywhere, that has no hope in it, where you're not able, maybe you trust in yourself, but last time I checked, I'm not the perfect person. It's actually Jesus who's the perfect person. And so you need to choose to take that higher road, and he will make your path straight. So let's make sure that we go into 2015 being able to trust and give all control over to God. He's only faithful. So Let's take That's a Wrap on Negative Nancy. All right. And my final point, point number three, um, is something that I've actually had to keep overcoming over and over and over and over again. It's probably one of my worst scenes in my life that I've had to constantly say that's a wrap to. But what it is, point number three, is that's a wrap, Frady Cat. That's a wrap, Frady Cat. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I, I played two sports. I played tennis, and then I ran track. And um, so when I ran track, and, and like I said, you know, I have my sister who's in the Olympic trials twice and is continuing to compete on. She's a great runner. My whole family runs. And so I actually I have a runner's built body. Um, but there's times where I, when I was running track that um, I would be so freaked out because there was a race that was marked out for me. But what I would do is not step up to the start line. I would run to the bathroom. <laughs> True story. I would run in there because I'm thinking, okay, if I hide myself in the bathroom, um, you know, they're going to call me over the speaker and I'm not going to be in there because, you know, I'm in the bathroom. And... Um, 
And then all of a sudden, my, my race has ended, and I'm going to come out and be like, oh, what? My, my race is out. Dang it. My race has ended. Coach, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> That's where I'd want to go. I'd want to go hide into the stinky bathroom instead of t- stepping up to the start line, and when the gun goes off, to actually take the steps and run the race marked out for me. But really what I found is that when I did actually start running the race, that um, I'd win a lot of medals because my body was actually built and equipped to run. And so in Hebrews 12:1 it says this, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I truly believe that God has a race marked out for you, and he's equipped you and he has built you to actually run that entire race. He has gifts that he's put inside of you to actually complete the whole thing, and his grace is more than enough. You see, we are actually on the winning team, which is great, right? So when we step up to that start line and we start running around the track, even though there might be pain and there might be hardship, God is by our side the entire time. And so in 2015, you probably have some goals and visions, and let's all make sure to be here on Vision Sunday where we have our whole list of visions uh, that we write down. And so there's these goals and, then, and there are these visions that God has for us and that you are fully equipped to run because he actually has built you this way. Um, so how do you actually get the strength and this courage? Because that's really what you need in order to step up into the start line. And uh, so really for me, the only way that I have actually received this strength and this courage is by the Holy Spirit that the hammer and cell spoke on this morning. And uh, so the Holy Spirit, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're out of luck because you, you actually need that Holy Spirit inside of you So for that boldness and that courage to rise up in, inside of you. And I actually remember my very first time that I got completely blasted with the Holy Spirit and it changed everything in my life. It was about 10 or 11 years ago. I uh, went over to a conference with, um, with a friend of mine and, you know, I was raised Lutheran and um, and then I started going to a non-denominational church, but I've never seen the Holy Spirit actually work in a really powerful way, ever. I didn't know that God actually had that side of him and that, you know, he can resurrect things and be powerful and bold and very mighty. But I actually remember that day that um, I was sitting, I was sitting in a seat and the, the, the pastor actually called out and did an altar call and said, if you want to receive this Holy Spirit, come up right here to the front row. And so I was actually the first one. I ran out of my seat, ran down the aisle, and I had my hands lifted right here in, in the front row saying, I need you, Jesus. And um, and so I remember so clearly that the pastor was going down. He was just yelling out, power, power, power. And as soon as he said, power over me, that I just, it seemed like a lightning bolt that came straight from heaven that shot me. And I literally shot three feet back and I don't even know if there were catchers at that. I don't even know. <laughs> but I just remember being on the floor, and then you just, you know, see this heaven wrapped around you. You see white everywhere. But from that day forward, my life has been completely transformed. And, um, and about that time when my life was completely transformed with the Holy Spirit, um, it was right out of high school, and I got a job at Starbucks. It was my first job, and of course, you should go get a star- job at Starbucks as your first job. I was a barista. I made really good coffees very fast as well. And um, so anyway, 
I got this job and I'm like, God, this is my first job where I'm going to get income. I'm going to dedicate this entire job to you. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to bless my pastors and I'm going to do anything that I can to give you glory with this job. And so because I did that, he actually did bring about some opportunities where I can give him some glory. But there were opportunities that I definitely needed the Holy Spirit in my life because I needed a little bit of boldness and a little bit of courage. Um, I remember this day when I was actually on my, my lunch break at Starbucks and it, the, the break room was right next to the drive through window. And out of nowhere, it seemed like a horror film that a person ran up to the drive through window and started banging on it and said, help, help, I can't breathe. And just everything was a crazy panic attack and chaos and everything, didn't know what was going on. So as soon as I saw this, she's banging on this window saying, help, I can't breathe, my baby's in the car all this stuff, I ran out, and I don't know anything about medical insurance, you know? <laughs> I ran out, and I saved her, and I grabbed her by the hand, and she said, I can't drive, and so I got into the driver's seat of her car, and I shoved her in the back where her baby was crying, and she was on the phone um, with her husband on the speaker trying to calm her down and trying to, you know, bring peace in the whole situation. So anyway, there, there I am in the drive-thru, trying to get her out of the drive-thru and go find a parking spot for her. So as I was in this driving seat of the car, I reached my hand back. I was said, you know what? I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Because I know that God is going to be able to heal you and his power is going to come in his car. Can I pray for you? And so because she was just a crazy mess, she said, yes, please. And so anyway, I turn my hand, my back is over here, and I just start praying. God, I pray for your power to show up in this car, Lord. I pray for your peace to intervene. Lord, I pray that you're going to calm this storm, that you're going to heal her no matter what's going on, Lord, that you're going to be able to resurrect that thing inside of her, Lord. And so I started started praying all you know this bold prayer and then as soon as I couldn't think of anything else to say I said you know what I'm gonna pray another language you're not gonna understand it but I'm just gonna pray <laughs> so so then I just started speaking in tongues and I was speaking in tongues the entire way <laughs> I was going through the drive-thru and then I was parking and then all of a sudden I parked and then I see around me the um, there's an ambulance and there's um, you know these paramedics around me and so I got out of the car went into Starbucks and um, that was that until you know a few minutes later paramedic comes in and asks for me and at that time because I'm you know I'm newer at this whole thing I was a little frightened because I'm like what are they gonna say I know that I prayed and I prayed in tongues and is she freaked out with me am I in trouble by these paramedics <laughs> <laughs> so I walk up and I see her and with these paramedics surrounding her um, I look in her face and she's just has tears in her eyes and she said thank you so much I've never received an encounter like that before I thank you that you prayed for me and that you actually took the time I have complete peace and they say everything is fine and I feel totally normal you know <laughs> praise God right so that's the kind of courage and the boldness that can rise up inside of you and that you can do things with the Holy Spirit that you never thought that you can do before. And um, so we need to say that's a wrap, Frady Cat, because 2015, God is going to present you with incredible opportunities. But you need to be able to actually just step up to the line. Don't hide anymore in the place that you're at. Be able to step up to the line and run the race that God has marked out for you. So that's a wrap, Frady Cat.
So I hope that this message was um, a message of encouragement for you, that you can actually go into the new year being a brand new you. And um, maybe you do need to say that's a wrap to the comparison game. And you need to find your identity in God because he has a great identity for you. He created you, so he actually knows why you are here. And so it's the perfect person to plug into. Or maybe you need to say that's a wrap, negative Nancy. And you feel like you've just controlled your whole world and that you have no trust in anybody else. But can I tell you that the greatest person to trust in, the greatest person to give control over to is Jesus. He has the best path for you. Or is it that's the rap, Frady Cat, where maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life and you're missing that power. You're missing something that's inside of you that, that, that you need in order to accomplish the vision, the goals that God has for you. So in these last three minutes, I'm going to extend an invitation. And um, I'm going to ask if, if you are far from God or if you don't know God, or if you, maybe you haven't gone all in for God, maybe you need to step up to that start line and actually give your entire life over to him. You've been maybe in church a couple of times, but you also have your foot into the world. And God is saying, you know, in, in order for you to have the best life that you can, you need to give everything over to me. The Bible says that if you lose your life for God's sake, you will find it. And so let's lose our life. Let's get lost in his love. Let's get lost in who he is. And that's where you're able to find yourself in him. Um, the tragedy really, I know the Starbucks story was incredible. But the tragedy about that story is that she, she came back and she gave me a thank you card and she gave me an ornament that said uh, miracles happen, which is great. But I was really immature at that time and I didn't think to really take her number and to keep inviting her over to church. And, um, you know, there's a difference when you can have an incredible God encounter, but I didn't extend the opportunity where she can actually have a life transformation inside of God. And that's really what God wants to do inside of your life is not just have a God encounter, but he wants to transform you from the inside out.